0: City Longsword presents the Swords and Stereo Podcast
1: Welcome to Swords and Stereo. I'm Matthew Stinson, Johan Lopez. And we have some guests to show. So I'm I'm David Koblenz. Uh, how, how how much of an introduction do you uh want as, there? as much <laughs> as you want
0: to brag about yourself. Okay. Well, well, we we can go into more detail later, but I'm I'm David Koblenz, and we're here at uh, RASP, uh, hanging out. With his uh...
2: yeah. So I'm not going to be as humble as him. I'm <laughs> Dory Koblenz, oh, no. <laughs> and um, I'm I'm the better half. Um, he's Maestro Koblenz, I'm Maestra Koblenz. Um, I got my fencing master's certification through the Sonoma State University program a couple years ago. And um, I also teach at Georgia Tech. I teach technical communications there. And I have a Ph.D. from Emory in English.
1: So we are currently at RASP outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Could you tell our audience what RASP is and what you would like them to know about it?
0: Yeah, for for a little bit of background, it might help kind of think about what we do at RASP. I started fencing in 2001 in the STA, and I, I, I fenced there for a number of years. And I think one of the things that I, and so rapier fencing in the SDA, and, and one of the things that I, I found was that I, I really wanted someone to teach me how to fence. And the the locations that I was at, we, we didn't have skilled teachers. Years later after school, I ended up in, in California, and Dory and I played in the SDA out there. And we discovered this program called the San Jose Fencing Master's Program that focused on... Teaching fencing and teaching teachers to teach fencing. And we, we ended, and, and so they, they were focused on classical or kind of this traditional Italian pedagogy, which is foiled at the end saber. And we ended up going there and we, we kind of fell in love with it. And Dora and I both ended up do, completing master certifications there. But one of the things that, you know, our background and our first love was still rapier. We, because
2: they did classical weapons.
0: Because they did classical yeah. weapons. So we did and foil, so, yeah. saber, epee when and, we were going
2: through that certification. You know, and so
0: we, we found this program to to just really be incredibly useful for us in our pursuit of understanding rapier. And we want, we, we always wanted other people to be able to learn what we had. but. But at the same time, someone that wants to learn rapier, telling them go spend like six to 10 years learning classical weapons and that'll help you get better at rapier. That, that's kind of a tough sell. And at the same time, our fr- uh, we, more of our friends were, they were, we were part of the Sonoma fencing master's certificate program and we had just a lot of wonderful experiences out there. We ended up moving back to the East coast and we, we wanted to do something like that out here the two things where we we really wanted to do a lot with rapier and we also wanted to recreate or have a similar experience to some of the things that we had done out there. And I think we realized that we we don't really have a big classical fencing community in our, in our area, but we have a lot of people that do rapier and we have a lot of people that are at least interested in saber. And so if we kind of put these things together and it turns out a lot of people from the Sonoma program are, have been doing historical fencing for years. But if we if we build an event around that and bring these people out, we can bring people into that, that tradition that we found to be so meaningful for us and also provide resources for people that want to learn how to teach and, and also sort of build community.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I think the community part is a really important part, because at least back when we moved to Atlanta in 2011, you had people doing um, KEMA and you had people doing SDA and then you had like a few classical fencers here and there. But it was really siloed. So people would develop, you know, tournament rules in the SCA, but nobody was playing in the SCA and HEMA context. So those ideas wouldn't get over. Or, you know, in the HEMA world, you had different techniques, different ideas for competition that wouldn't get over to the SCA world. And one thing that we really wanted to do is kind of create an environment where people could come together from different communities and fence safely together and learn from each other. That's actually a big part of why we started SURFA with um, Keith Carter Riley. Um, that's a Southeast Renaissance fencing open. And we we just love that experience. We love the uh we love being able to host people from these different backgrounds. We loved all getting together and fencing and talking. And then we wanted something that maybe was even a little bit longer, went a little bit more in-depth on the the pedagogy side of things, on the teaching side of things, as opposed to focusing on the competition side of things. So in some ways, Surfo and RASP are really complementary events. And in fact, Surfo um funds scholarships for RASP. So um with the, the proceeds from Surfo go to um create usually about two or three scholarships with um, reduced prices for people who want to come to RASC and learn how to train. And that's part of what we want to do for the historical fencing community is provide training, provide opportunities for people to come together in community and um, really enrich the community long term.
1: So who is your ideal attendee for RASC? You know, I think we've thought about that a lot. I mean,
0: and one of the things that is that we want RASC to be accessible to a lot of different people. And so, you know, for people that are relatively new to fencing you can get a lot out of this event you can you can come here and you can lunge all day and and you can basically you know get essentially private lessons from a lot of great you know the instructors that come out and teach and also the people that are
2: working on teaching here I mean I think like the mindset is probably more important than the personality type of the rasp fencer right? So typically the people who come to RASP are, they're interdisciplinary fencers. So they're people who are curious about different weapon styles, or they're people who are really deeply involved in rapier or saber. More often, though, I mean, increasingly we have people coming in, you know, from the longsword community, or from, or people who specialize like in bolognese fencing. They're, they're just curious. They're wondering what are the, what are the pedagogical tools and techniques that are being used in this context? How could I move that into my own school and into my own context? So I think, it's not all for teachers. Teachers get a lot out of it. We do have, um, you know, people who come who, you know, they picked up a sword a few weeks ago. They want to just lunge a lot, and they can be really useful, too. But I think by and large, it's folks who are curious, and they're interdisciplinary in mindset they're willing to just give something a try, so they're kind of adventurous
0: I, I in had, their approach. I remember um, an experience in one of the first fencing classes that I remember going to, and I walked in, and there was this, there were a couple other fencers, and they were standing there, and they were talking about something, and there was this torrent of technical jargon, and I had no idea what it meant. But where,
2: where is that at? This,
0: this is at Santa Clara. So oh, it was like God. Rose, Jeremy, and myself. Oh, okay. So we're
2: kind um, of outside in that conversation. We're on the
0: outside of this conversation, but but I, like I heard this, and it was like I want to know what all of these things mean, and and also like I, I can be a little bit competitive sometimes. because I want to get into an argument like this, and I want to like I want to I we want to I want to be, want to be able to be a part of this conversation, and, and, it. It. <laughs> and maybe also win it sometimes too. And I think that for people that come here. I think if you hear people talking about fencing and you want to know more, I think that that's really kind of a way to like. I think that that's that's the kind of person that I think goes well here, and sometimes that's somebody that is. We, we've had people at this event that have never held a sword before, and then we've had people who are internationally recognized instructors, and that were and all of that works for us because people want to know more about about fencing.
1: Can you tell me more about the community uh, between the masters and pro? Uh- that I come and teach. Like, do do y'all go over what you're going to do as a group, or do you just invite someone out and ask them, "Can you plan something for us?" Uh, how, how's that process go when you're inviting these these other masters that you are on the other side of the country?
2: Yeah. So. I mean, our process of selection is pretty simple because it's a super rigorous program that we're drawing from. But there's only there's not that many people who have come through it. It's not like there's hundreds and hundreds of people. So we basically say, hi, friends, we come to support your events. Who wants to fly to Georgia and support our event. And usually we get maybe like, you know, four to six people who are willing to do that to know a little bit more about what we're what we're drawing from there. This is probably a good time to talk a little bit about like the, you know, the, the program and some of the history there. David and I attended the San Jose State Fencing Master's Program, um, and then we moved over to the Sonoma um, State University Fencing c- Certificate Program.
0: Run by Maestro Which John is run Sons. by
2: somebody, yeah, run by Maestro John Solins, and he was in the San Jose State Fencing Master's Program. Um, San Jose State had some changes in leadership at the university level, so they weren't able to accommodate, like, a fencing certificate program there anymore. And there's still definitely a lot of great fencers in San Jose that you can look up and go and fence with. Um, But the center of the program has really moved um, to Sonoma in the last decade or so. And they go, they're, they're run through the university. So you have masters who are not necessarily certified through Sonoma, but either certified through San Jose state or Sonoma. Um, there's a fairly small pool of people at like maybe 10, 12 masters right now who are currently active in teaching. And in recent years, more and more of us are on the historical weapons side of things. So, whereas, you know, 15, 20 years ago, most of the people going through were really interested more in um, sports fencing. They're interested Interesting in
0: fact. So um, Peter Burchard, who is the, the head of the president of the USFA, uh, is a graduate of the San Jose program. He also went somewhere else and got another cert- certification too.
2: But Maestro Solans has really been leaning into some of the um, historical fencing community. I think working on recruiting people and working on um, building that part of the program up. So it's not like we have this like, you know, Two hundred people, and we go and say, like, which of these people should we invite this year?
0: Um, <laughs> right. Please, anybody that wants to come, like, cool. We'll...
2: Because we all, I mean, we're we're really almost more like a federation in that many of us have our own schools. So um, Puck Curtis, Eric Meyer, Kevin Murakoshi, they all work together in the Davis, Sacramento area. On um, Estreza. David and I are down here. Tony Barajas is out in um, San Jose in the um, Italian Renaissance Swordsmanship Academy. So we all have schools kind of just scattered across, mostly the West Coast, but then a little bit down here in the Southeast.
0: And Maestro Dobbs up in
2: Wisconsin. And Maestro Dobbs up in Wisconsin. That's a who's, great thing. Who's new
0: this year yeah. to, to our event. Yeah, this really is his first year at RASP.
2: It's great to have him. He does rapier and saber up in um, the Milwaukee area in Wisconsin. But so, I mean, we it's more almost like it's a federation where we're friends, we're colleagues, and then we go and just help each other out when our schools are running events.
1: When you're going through the Sonoma program, is it just the three classical weapons and then you can explore historical weapons after? Or is it something you can do earlier?
0: So there are, so there, the, the three weapons, there is a, uh, a historical certification or like a focus that you can do uh, at each level. So in I, mean, some I have topic. a
2: master's certification from Sonoma State University with an emphasis in um, rapier, in Italian rapier. So, the certification is in teaching fencing. And then you can add the emphasis of a, a specific weapons type to it. I don't think that Maestro Solons right now goes as far back as longsword. I think he's pretty comfortable going as far back as um, smallsword, historical saber, and rapier side sword because we can trace a direct lineage from the masters that we have today in the program back through the late 17th century. We can maybe trace earlier than that, but it gets a little bit less clear. So that's what he's really interested in right now. I mean, who knows? So maybe yeah. someday will grow during
0: the during the actual practical part of of the event. The sort of the official programming is on in the more modern weapons. You know, as a, as it many many people that come also do these other historical things there. And so, oftentimes in the afternoons, um, Dory and I have taught rapier there. Uh, Richard Cullinan has come up from uh, um, Australia and taught uh, Balinese before Puck has done. uh, Destreza, Francesca Loda has come out and he's taught Rapier there. And so we've had some, some, you know, we've had some classes. We've also done some, you know, classes there, but it's still not kind of a part of the core
1: curriculum. So the curriculum there, also like the weekend here, is more focused on teaching. So you should be able to apply that to any weapon or system
0: it absolutely applies to any weapon I think in, in a lot of the years they one of their goals is to be let's say exhaustive and work through all of the techniques in, in dr. goggler's book so for foil so we might try to do just all of the actions in, in the foil section of goggler or at least you know selections across all of that at RASP, especially because so many people that come here, they kind of worked in some slightly their own different systems. And so we tend to focus a little bit differently on trying to cover all the say possible techniques in rapier, but focus a little bit more on teaching elements like queuing and timing and distance management. And and some of those things.
2: But I think that's also where being an interdisciplinary fencer comes into play, because we do have kind of a specific discipline and language and way of thinking about things. And we're not saying this is the one true way and everybody has to do this. But we do think it's useful to have, you know, a long weekend where we can really drill down into that and think, well, how does how do these ideas um, look in this language? How does teaching look in this system? So when people come to RASP, by and large, I think that they're pretty open-minded about trying to, you know, trying out our way of doing things, even though it's a little bit more formal, I think, than what a lot of people in the hemo community are used to or in the SCA community are used to. It's not formality just to be formal. You know, it's not trying to um, establish dominance in some way. But it's a particular way of doing things so that we're all kind of speaking the same language and we can communicate better with each other. It's a pragmatic kind of formality. Yeah,
0: on that that speaking the same language, you know, I've been to a lot of events that have a lot of different instructors, right? And all the different instructors kind of have their own way of doing something. So if you go to an event and say there's three different people teaching rapier, they're going to have different ways of doing it and they may agree on some of the basics but like you might get the basics in three different ways one of the things that's so uh, interesting about having what seven people from the same program is that we are all trained about this in in the same way and i think we all complement each other but we also have really different styles of mm-hmm. teaching yeah and and so people can see that and you see well
2: creativity there's in creativity
0: it, yeah. in this and so like you know my my lesson on Thursday was really different from Dory's lesson today. And we you know, we have our own teaching styles and that's really different from Tony's lesson. Uh, and that you know, that's different from Puck's lesson. You know, all the principles and a lot of the language is, is still it's the same across the back. And I find that we can complement each other
1: really well. But because you share core language, a student that takes one master's class and then takes another master's class. It, it should overlap, exactly. and, their, and their their brain should be able to connect the dots.
0: Yeah, it you know, and yeah. a lot of times yeah. if you yeah. if you go to a modern fencing club and you take and you take lessons, the the first part of taking individual lessons from a coach like that, you know, your first couple of lessons is just like learning their cues and their their approach to a system. And a lot of times, what I found is that when I work even with somebody else's student in our program, I can just give them a lesson, and we already speak the same language. And and I can just start at them with a higher level than I, I would be able to if they had been trained by somebody else. And that's kind of an interesting an interesting thing.
1: RASP 2021 uh, ends tomorrow. If someone wanted to come to RASP 2022, what would you suggest they do over the year to prepare themselves to, to enjoy the experience better? Uh, like, is there a book to read or a website to go to and study, like a blog? Funny, you should ask about a book. There is a book. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Dory and I have a book uh, that we wrote together. It's called Fundamentals of Italian Rapier. We were trying to. We we really wanted to think a lot about how our you know how our framework applies to Italian rapier, and we think you know there we think that there is a direct lineage back. But that doesn't mean that classical fencing is the same as Italian rapier. There, there's, there's a lot of changes that happened in there. So we wanted to... Right. What
2: you don't want is to just like take a modern approach and try and plop it down on rapier without really considering the differences in the context and the morphology of the weapon and the historical sources. So our book really is synthetic in that it's looking at a lot of different Italian sources, both southern and northern Italian sources, and we're thinking through um, the advice that they have for fencing but it's also trying to be really user friendly. So a lot of the historical work gets done in the in the footnotes, and then in the actual text of the book, we try to give students just uh, really clear, direct advice about what to do. I mean, I would say like starting with the book would be a good place to see if it's actually an approach that is um, interesting and it resonates with people who are thinking about coming to the event. We do also have a Canvas site, so if somebody's interested in that, they can. Um, so like a, a contact thing that you could send me along. Maybe they can contact you and you can let me know. But I have a link so that they could go onto a Canvas site and see some of the material that we have um, been accumulating. Canvas is a learning management system for for anybody who doesn't know. So it's free, but it's a way to just set up courses online. What's yeah, it's got some information from previous RASPs, and it has some video material that explains, like, you know, the parts of the weapon, how to stand and guard, things like that. It's got some self-evaluation quizzes so that you can – Read the material and then test yourself to see how much of it you retained. It's got some discussion forums so you can say post a video of yourself and ask for feedback, things like that.
0: There's also a Discord server for yes. the Sonoma program.
2: That's a really good resource. That, that too. Is,
0: that would be a really good resource for people that are interested in this. If we contact us, we can we can find the link for somebody that's that's interested.
3: That that Discord is open to people who aren't enrolled in the program. People yet?
0: yeah, so people that's, that are interested. So that's one thing. So the the Sonoma program also has a campus site, but it's run through Sonoma State. so You have to be a student there to be able to participate, which means that uh, a lot of the fencing masters that go and work at Sonoma actually don't have access to that campus. Uh, and so the Discord can be a place where we can have more raw discussion within the community and
1: another maestry And so we're kind of all on there. So Hema people who study other tr- traditions and other weapons, when they pick up your book, is a lot of it going to feel familiar, or are they going to have to wrap their head around some new concepts?
0: One is going to depend on what they study. You know, so for people that that work with, say, German long story, I mean, the terms are all different, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and the weapons different.
2: So we do try to translate everything into English. So we, we will say third instead of turtzot, for example.
0: I mean, I, I think, you know, at some level, fencing fencing is fencing. And, you know, I think even there are, there are some there are certainly some valuable concepts there. You know, in, in our book, we really wanted to be, this is not, you know, mine and Dory's approach to fencing, is that we want to summarize what we see as an, an Italian approach to fencing. Like, this is not a book of our personal experiences about fencing. Yeah, sure our, our own you I'm not I'm, <laughs> I'm not that creative. I can't, I can't do that. No, it's, um, it's not. No,
2: it's, it's more us trying to apply what we see is the Italian tradition in a specific set of circumstances, and and trying to explain or translate some things about the Italian tradition that are maybe not intuitive to a broader audience.
1: I mean, and, and in some sense, it's stuff that I wish people had told me 20 years ago. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of that going around in the HEMA community now, where people who have been doing HEMA for an amount of time, when their new students come in, they're just happy they. The new students don't have to go through what they went through.
0: Yeah, and and so part of that is, you know, our our book and, you know, we, we want people to be able to learn and learn rapier and do this without necessarily having to go, you know, learning foil to do all of this. Although that's sad. Um,
2: is a great weapon.
0: Foiled is super fun and it's, it's a pri- like, it's kind of more fun than you think it, than you think well, it might it's, be. It's so
2: light and, and small and you can <laughs> do so many, like, just really precise and technical things with it that then translate when you're using a heavier weapon, I feel like.
0: Foil is a tool that it's a, it's a learning, you know, it's a, it it's is a learning, a learning tool. tool yeah. And there are some things that it does extremely well. And, like, thanks. You know, and we, we have had, you know, say, Brad, Brad Kramer, who actually just brought me a computer.
1: It's very nice yeah, is
0: this that is, is another butter? this is yeah this is actually my second peanut butter,
2: um, <laughs> <laughs> Why is there peanut butter in I don't I know don't but understand. here would you like
0: would you like to tell no thank no, you I is don't a think strange
2: so.
0: Uh, Sounds up here. so you know so Brad came, Kramer came to our program and we have worked with him and, and he was you know already interested in doing foil and, and he. He flew out to Sonoma two years ago, yeah. right? Yeah, so the, the same year that Dory did her master's exam, yeah. and he did his instructor's exam in foil. Say, so for people in the in the HEMA community that have watched rapier tournaments, they may have also watched Brad and many of his students, and, and Randy's students, winning in tournaments lately, because they, they've done a fantastic job applying pedagogy into
2: the and program. And he's not just saying that because Brad brought him a beer.
0: <laughs> well, well, it actually, didn't
1: he, got, he did. He uh, did. He got me two beers.
2: Actually. Oh, I mean, <laughs> probably It's just no. I'm just kidding. They're they're good students, and they're really good at tournaments. I
1: I do have to say, I took my first saber lesson ever this weekend, and I had a blast.
2: Saber is it, it was happen. so yeah.
1: fun. It's, it's hard to have as much fun as it is like just it, taking a saber lesson. Yeah. And we're, we're at our club. We're big fans of, uh, Robert Rutherford's mm-hmm. side sword. Yeah. And I felt like fun. I felt that type of fancy bitch while I was throwing that early. I felt really fancy while I was doing it. And, uh, I, I, I solo drilled the other, uh, so much the other day. I put blisters on my hands. So I'm, I'm super. I'm probably gonna buy a saber. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Saber is uh, such a fun weapon. Yeah,
2: you
1: know,
0: and, and you can do saber. You know, our our system works equally well with just a light modern sports saber as it does with a with a heavier saber, which is actually it's really nice because it makes the it makes the, the system pretty um, adaptable, adaptable and accessible. So because a modern saber is like forty bucks, and a historical one might be two hundred, two hundred and fifty dollars, mm-hmm. maybe maybe more. And the method. That we use, even though we use this lighter saber, it it is designed to be used the same way with a lighter weapon as with a heavier weapon.
2: In that we're moving from our elbow, we're doing the stuff like you would need to do if you had a heavier weapon to generate the kind of force you would need to move that heavier weapon. But we're doing it with the lighter weapon, because we're always thinking about the the light like saber and foil as being these training tools, like we talked about earlier.
0: Sure. I mean, you know, they're, they're different, but I can I can pick up a, a modern saber and a more of a, of a slightly heavier uh, heavier saber. I don't really change my fencing that much. And, you know, if I did everything out from my wrist and then I did some different things, th- those things wouldn't translate. But, but the system actually works across both of those really well. And, the, and we have people at RASP that use both. The
3: mechanics driving the
1: weapon... Are the same. The, the exactly. calibration is exactly. just different. Yeah. yeah. Seems like you'd be able to if it's lighter, you'd be able to train longer, which means you exactly. get better faster. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely.
2: Exactly. That's why you I love can it. you can
0: train longer and you can go into deeper phrases. Uh, that Pensacola
3: seminar that you guys gave on Sabre, we did that that huge multi-touch sequence. That was
0: that was a ton of fun. I, I had a, I had a ton of fun in Dory's lesson today. Um, That's I, right. We're
2: focusing on surprising. So I yeah. think Nick
0: and I were going like five or six five or six parries back
2: and forth on some of those. Well, it sounded like a good saber seminar where everybody's kind of clashing, you know, good times.
1: (laughs) Now that RAS 2021 ends tomorrow, uh, as everyone leaves, like what, what do you want? What do you hope they are taking away from RAS as they go back to their own
2: clubs? I mean, one thing that's really important to me is that people leave with, positive feelings about the community and positive feelings about the weapons and just feeling, like, re-energized in their own teaching. Because so often as coaches um, and teachers, we teach, we teach, we teach, and then it's really easy to lose what drew you to the weapon, what drew you to um, the play in the first place. And coming out to RASP, it's like a time where people who are instructors can just take time for themselves, work on their teaching skills, but also just, like, you know, if they want to, they could just go be a student all day long. And work on their um, you know, work on their lunging, just have fun. And talk to other people who are also doing research or doing teaching or thinking about similar things. So to me, it's like I hope that those relationships persist after RASP and you know, there I made like two new Facebook or three new Facebook friends this week. That's pretty cool, because like I know who I'm gonna like text when I have a question about like a specific source now. Um, or if I'm in, ten, if I'm in, you know, a specific town that one, of the, that one of, um, their clubs is in. So that, that's what I really hope it persists is the community, the community ties and the kind of like good feeling that people have from getting to focus on their own fencing, um, and getting away maybe a little bit, you know, maybe about, I'd say two thirds of the people here have their own clubs or in a very prominent, like teaching role. They have a whole lot of responsibilities as teachers. Like also,
0: also, if they have a hard time walking
2: after this. Event. <laughs> <laughs> Sore done. legs! Mission accomplished.
3: <laughs> uh, I will say on a personal note, as somebody still relatively new to HEMA that only recently kind of started helping out teaching, I've I found RASP to be incredibly formative and useful in kind of coming to that task of being, you know, a somewhat functionally useful teacher. And so, like, Particularly if, if you're new to HEMA or if you're new to HEMA in the context of there's no HEMA in my area, I want to open up a club. This is a really good event to look at for here's how I start from a principled perspective, uh, conveying information. Because it doesn't matter what your source is. If you can't convey the information well,
2: mm, yeah. that's a challenge. Teaching yeah. is a separate skill from content knowledge,
1: for right. sure. Coming from mainly a, the German longsword group of HEMA practitioners, I just, just like, he, he just being here this weekend, Hema seems like double the size it was before I got here. And I feel like mm-hmm. there's just so much more out there than I knew about. I, I knew Italian rapier was a thing, but then I walk back there and I see literally a literally hundred books on it. And I was like, wow, okay, it goes that deep.
2: Oh, you're talking about sword stored library. That's one of my favorite things about RASP. So um, before RASP, um, Maestro Murakoshi, Kevin Murakoshi, and David, Facebook message each other and they say, what books do you have? <laughs> yeah. What books do you have? And so we end up having crates and crates of, um, books that are published on fencing. And some of them are like, you know, 20th century Hungarian exercises for kids. And some of them are like Fiore and a scholarship Monty. on Fiore yeah. and like, uh, and Monty, you know. So, and then we spread them all out in one room. And then that's our sword room and our fencing library room. And people can go there and pick up books and flip through them and just talk to other people. And that, that the books are, like, really interesting to look in and to flip through on their own. But it's also that kind of, like, interesting, like, social aspect, too, I feel like. Yeah.
0: So, you know, you can have a conversation on a technique, which I, I did today. And I, I went and I was like, well, I've got the book back here. Let me go look it up. Turns out I was wrong.
2: Uh, so. <laughs> I was wrong about something today, too. Wow. I thought it was in a book. Yeah.
3: yeah. That's the fun part of it. <laughs> right. uh, that brings me to a question that i had been meaning to ask, actually. I recognize that there's a spectrum of accessibility on those books, because obviously, you know, some are out of print, some aren't. Mm-hmm. But it, is that reading list that y'all have tabulated somewhere so that people could chase them down?
2: No, I don't know it's is not. There's a,
3: there is a
0: bibliography in the back of our book, which is like...
3: Out of date
2: by now. I don't, know, in 2018, still, in like, I don't know, but it's still, but it's probably still like
0: 60, 70 sources in that list.
2: Yeah, we really um, like bibliographies. You know If I if this were like, you know, in my, my academic life, I'd be like, that sounds like a good job for a graduate student. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately I don't have graduate students in my HEMA lab. So maybe we'll have to do it ourselves. I don't know.
0: You know, there used to be well so I mean there's there always used to be
2: a HEMA graduate student that we all had no, access to the movie no, totally no. Okay, well so like there really is give um lots
0: of So there's always the Wicton Hour, right? So oh, there, yeah, I right. mean so tons of these sources are catalogued there. Um the other thing that you can do is you can test her uh Kevin Murakoshi, maestro Kevin Murakoshi, to see if he can figure out although it may just be gone now, uh, but to bring back Via Hub, which was a uh a wiki for Italian fencing sources. Uh and it, it at least listed out a lot of the sources and it was actually a repository for a while of people like Puck and Kevin and uh, maybe Chris Colton had some uh, lessons that were up on there, and I'm trying to remember if it's—it's
2: it's it's certainly gone have... now.
0: But I'm trying to remember; they might have lost all of their data, so I don't know. Okay. If
2: okay. If we should have like a bibliography it. kind of resource. It's probably,
0: it's probably a good idea.
2: Where people could come to ask and just take a picture of the book table. <laughs> That's
0: true. Yeah,
1: uh, Justin
0: was saying he kept taking pictures of different books that he wants to
1: get. Well, before we go, is there anything? y'all want to talk about or anything you want to plug
2: oh i want to plug my new book coming out i don't know if this is going to be interesting for everybody in your listening audience but um i started off my career as a shakespearean kind of because i thought like i needed to work on early modern literature to do the stuff i wanted to do with fencing manuals and to um really make myself marketable then i should probably work on shakespeare and then also shakespeare is just super interesting um, so I wrote this book. It's kind of like half Shakespeare and Ben Jonson, and then half fencing manuals. Um, and I'm looking at the ways in which early modern fencing, as it happened in England, influenced the way that early modern play- playwrights in the commercial theater kind of got off the ground during that period. So that's coming out, out of um, University of Edinburgh Press, either December or January in 21-22. So that's something I want to plug. Is there something you want to plug, David?
0: Well, there's, there's RASP twenty. Like-
2: <laughs> yeah, we're, that's, we're that's still tentative though. Yeah, that it is, it tentative. is, it is
0: tentative because but we're looking at February. We are going,
2: yes, we're looking at February. We want to be a winter event because I mean, who wants to come to Georgia in July?
0: All of, our, all of our instructors are, are they Californians. They complain so and much about the it's, humidity and <laughs>
2: <You're>
0: such babies. <laughs> we, we, had a, we had a bet when they arrived how long it would take them to complain about the heat and the humidity, and we won. Yeah, um,
2: they, they didn't like But anyway, so summertime is for Sonoma because that's when you go to wine country when it's beautiful, and, um, you know, the weather's great. Winter is for Georgia when you can still be outside and it's not that cold. And
0: um, and obviously, good. COVID has thrown everything off, which is why right. we're doing it in the summer this year.
2: But we want to uh, get back to February. So it'll be either February 2022, probably like um, President's Day weekend, or, you know, we might have to go to 2023, depending on um, how much participation we have. We're still trying to decide, I think, between the two.
1: Uh, speaking of schedule change, I heard SURFO might be changing the time of yeah, year. So we're it's looking at
0: we're looking at June for that, um, and we're going to be at uh, Emory Oxford's campus, which is a little bit outside of Atlanta.
2: It's not Emory University. So Emory University was founded um, maybe 30, 40 miles east of where it is now, and that's Emory Oxford. So it's this really kind of beautiful historic campus that's small. And really, they use it just for like the first um, two years. For some of the students who come in, they go through their first two years at Emory Oxford. Um, so the traffic is actually pretty good going out there because it's a oh, little yeah. bit in the middle of nowhere. Um, but they're, he's looking at changing the format so you can stay in the dorms and you can have, um, you know, dining hall food. So you don't have to leave. You can actually get more fencing in.
0: Uh, and I believe we're we're going to try to do a saber turn. Maybe. I, I, saber. I think so. I think I think it'll probably be an invitational turn. One thing that I really want to do is I want to really showcase some good
2: saber fencing. Did you know that you can fence saber without hurting anyone? No. <laughs> you can? No way. Yeah. No. It doesn't even matter. It could be a heavy saber and you don't have to break anything or give anyone a concussion. We we did a
0: saber tournament at our at our second surfo. Um, which ended, well, Horrible. not ended, well, Dory ended up getting a concussion in it, and so it ended for her that way. But. I was going to
2: win that time. I know, still, she
0: still took third place <laughs> still in the event.
2: But yeah, so we're exploring weight. you is such a fun weapon. It's hard in competition because um, we don't have as much standardization with the mass of the weapon, and we don't have as much standardization with the training of um, folks who are using it. So if you're really new with a rapier, there's only so much you can really do with them. I guess you could like super hurt somebody I mean, if you, you tried. But, but I feel like it's more common to have injuries than Yeah, saber. I, I
0: mean say say as a as a tournament organizer and director, Saber saber scares me and sword and bucket scares yeah. me. Right. Yeah.
2: So we're looking at ways to be able to have that, let people have fun, but make it safe. So it's kind of a long term plan. We're gonna start invitational and then probably hope to like build on that.
1: We just read through Myers two which is just a fat, heavy saber and it it was it was kind of terrifying at times. Like yeah. we were like, oh Need to slow down a little. Need to slow
3: down. I, I would say though that, as in our calibration episode, yeah, you know, it shouldn't matter what weapon is in your hands. It control displays mastery. We're yes. here to we're here to display mastery, Absolutely. not beat the crap out of each other. Absolutely. And so, yeah, you know, plus you know, it, the best way to become a better fencer to is that the entire community can continue to become better fencers. And if you give everybody concussions,
0: kind of. Fencing as a whole.
3: So let's, yeah.
2: let's reward control and not. That
0: yeah. also goes back to one of the reasons why we want to have RASP, right? So, you know, Make good, tra- good yeah. training produces fencers with control who don't injure people. Right. And, and so good pedagogy
2: produces. good... If you support good, you know, the coaches, they will support their students and the students will be safer for sure. Yes. yes.
1: Can confirm. Absolutely. Anything else? I think I'm good. Thanks yeah. so much yeah. For, yeah. Having. Thank you for having me. Awesome. <laughs> really fun
2: to talk to you.
0: How's that peanut butter beer? Is it good? It, it's pretty good. I, I haven't even tried the second one yet because I'm still <laughs> <laughs> working on this first one. Is it, why why but,
2: is peanut butter? I mean, really it, is it,
0: is it is like, like drink, drink like, like drinking
1: like a Reese's but cup.
2: But why? That
1: sounds amazing. But why, <laughs> I don't I don't
2: understand
1: the question. Like, why not? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Well,
2: really, just, I'm just going to go. I one mean, one. you
0: finished yours. So. No, no, thank you.
2: No, it's going to taste like peanut butter. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I only like that on a sandwich.
3: Oh
0: man. Well,
2: you're okay, missing out. Okay, you're, okay, okay, you're okay, missing that
0: now. It's gonna be pretty sweet.
2: Ooh, it smells like peanut butter and beer. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna try okay, this. Okay. <laughs> oh my god, why did you do that? <laughs> that was disgusting. Oh. <laughs> uh, can be for everybody <laughs> <peanut butter beer.
1: laughs> Johan uh, tell Lucas balls 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 <laughs> balls balls balls
0: <laughs> this episode of Swords and Stereo was produced by Final Plank Media Productions theme song for Swords and Stereo is Thunderer by Professor Agma check him out too to find out more about Bold City Longsword visit their website at JacksonvilleHema.com. To find more Final Plank Media-produced podcasts, visit finalplank.com or visit us at Final Plank on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening.